You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to be a dietitian working in the industry? For our next series, Dietitians in the Industry, we invite experienced industry dietitians to discuss their work as well as the opportunities available and tips for success. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to another great episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast brought to you by the A2 Milk Company. I'm your host Kate Agnew and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. Joining me today is Dr. Karen Abbey. Dr. Abbey is an aged care and food service specialist dietitian with 21 years of national and international experience in food service. In the past, Dr. Abbey has presented nationally and internationally on topics concerned with aged care nutrition and food services. Her previous roles include working with Queensland Health, Queensland Meals on Wheels, and working in the residential aged care sector. Karen is currently and has been for 16 years the Director of Nutrition and Catering Consultancy, a business that provides specialist food services to a number of industry sectors. She is also the editor of the Nutrition and Catering Global Hub, an online nutrition food service resource. Karen recently completed her PhD, which focused on menu planning and the meal environment in residential aged care in Australia. Welcome to the show, Dr. Abby. It's wonderful to have you here. Nice to be here, Kate. Yes, I'm delighted to have you on the show in order to kickstart our Dietitians in the Industry series. So to start us off, could you tell us one interesting fact about yourself? One interesting fact is I have a real passion for food and being able to manipulate food to go across all diets. Wonderful, interesting. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, it's all part of being a food service dietitian. So I've uh, predominantly, when I did dietetics, I really enjoyed the food service subjects. And so they're the ones that I've really concentrated on. And that's where I've specialized in the area of food services. And of course, food is, you know, obviously about food and being able to create recipes and, you know, look at cooking resources and how food works and can be manipulated, especially in the area of um, intolerances and allergens as well, because that's obviously a very tricky place. And I have had some issues in that area. So I suppose I'm my own test dummy. Interesting. So why did you choose to specialize in aged care food services? Well, food service has always been my passion and I've done food services across the spectrum. So I've done everything from clinical to community to corporate the reality is I suppose aged care is a large market and it's where I predominantly fell into so when I was doing clinical I actually did rehab when I did meals on wheels I did meals on wheels work when I did uh, work for the rural allied health team in Queensland I was working with predominantly people elderly people in their homes and I just managed to fall into a position down in New South Wales that happened to be in an actual aged care home. So I was actually the food service manager and the dietitian for the home. And that's where I've kind of stayed. So it was probably just a natural thing. It wasn't anything that was planned. It was something that I just kind of fell into. And this is where I've kind of been. And it's got lots of aspects to do food services. So it's a nice place to be. 
So, Dr. Abby, I have heard a lot about aged care being a massive opportunity for dietitians in the future. So what are your thoughts about this? Well, I think if you're going to work in aged care, you need to have a good background in food services. It does stun me slightly when I see dietitians coming out who do not have a good background in food services um, trying to actually do aged care and think that they're going to do it well without a good background in food services. So I think they kind of go hand in hand because aged care is really different. It's not a real high clinical setting. So therefore, the type of work that dietitians would do would be surrounded and would be ingrained with food services. So I think they kind of that goes hand in hand. And yeah, I think that's really important. So you've mentioned a little bit about your career so far, um, and it sounds really interesting. So I'm just wondering if you could give us a bit of more of a snapshot of, I guess, the whole the, your career path. Um, right. Well, in the beginning, I graduated from the Queensland University of Technology, and actually, my first job was in Toowoomba, and I did food services. So right away, straight into food services, and I actually did. Um, Things like looking after the staff dining, uh, sorry, the staff canteen and production runs and meal delivery systems and functions. So it was a real foodie kind of service role. Um, I then had the opportunity of actually doing clinical. And I think it's important to actually do some clinical work so you actually get to see both sides of the coin and why food services are really important and how food services integrates into the clinical. I then went out um, to a rural setting that had six little hospitals and I put together a um I suppose a um what do you call it uh what they used to call them zones or something so I put together a zones so kind of a menu and a oh district-wide menu and I put together a a district-wide food service group and actually started redesigning kitchens and putting together things like that interesting was that a fun job well, actually it was, and I really enjoyed it because, again, it, it really tackled the area of food services. So I put together a new staff dining room, redesigned the kitchen, re-outfitted the kitchen with equipment. Then what I do next, I kind of migrated back into to, um, Toowoomba and actually took up a senior role as a um, uh, head of a dietetics department, sharpening up the management skills. Then I got the really good opportunity to go and do um, some community work, which I think is great. So I actually then started working in the community, and we did lots of fun stuff in that. We were used to, I used to do all the cooking classes. That sounds good. And, um, <laughs> you know, organising how to do all that sort of stuff. And then eventually I made my way down to New South Wales, and I said I took up a position with an aged care home, and that was just really great because I got to do pure food services. I worked in a large cook chill system. I also, in, in between all that stuff, actually was running a company and doing lots of consultancy work and working all sorts of things and started to put together the Nutrition and Catering Global Hub. So that kind of all just keeps meandering along and eventually I decided that I would leave that and now I just work completely in the consultancy area doing food service reviews um, and working with companies to do things like I'm now currently working with church resources in their area of procurement. So it's actually, you know, I think food services gives you the opportunity to, you know, fling between doing clinical, doing procurement work, doing things like consultancy work, looking at systems, building new systems, working at how you can actually solve problems. And that's what I do. So I spend a lot of time helping aged care homes solve problems in terms of how their food services is working and also doing a lot of work in the dining rooms as well. Aha. So on that note, as a leader of the industry, could you tell us a little bit more about your role as Director of Nutrition and Catering Consultancy? 
It's just really, um, as I said, I've really just specialised in the area of looking at um, doing food service consultancy work and trying to, I suppose, engage aged care homes to think about how they're doing food services so they actually get the best benefit out of what their resource allocations are, but also quality for the residents as well. So it's a very quality-focused um, service I provide, and especially in the dining rooms as well, looking at how those areas function to actually ensure residents are getting all the bits and pieces they need to have good quality of life, but also, you know, enjoy menus. And I do a lot of menu planning, like heaps of menu planning and menu reviews and, you know, trying to sort out how we can get the best possible food supply to residents, which is really important. So that's something that I do. I also do training. I train across the nation. I also speak at conferences and, you know, develop, developing resources and things like that that actually can help the aged care sector. So I just nailed off my PhD last year and that's actually obviously looking at how we're going to, you know, write up all the papers to actually provide, you know, some science behind food services in aged care. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about your PhD. Um, so I understand that you did that at the University of Queensland, is that right? Yeah, I did it with uh, Professor Sandra Capra. Great experience and really was quite an eye well it wasn't eye-opening I kind of knew all the answers before I even started um, so it was actually just really confirming and finding out you know some data that we can use to actually help I suppose have discussions across the nation about what's currently happening in residential aged care food services or just regional aged care nutrition to see you know what's actually happening with things like the standards and looking at um you know, how menus are developed and what's currently going on and, you know, how we can help improve things and look at quality aspects of care. And you're an expert in problem solving, so that probably really uh, helped with your PhD. Oh, yeah, loved it. I just had a great time standing there in dining rooms day in and day out, just observing kitchens and watching practices and seeing residents and talking to residents. It was really, really, um, I mean, obviously, yes, a PhD is a lot of hard work, but it was really the practical components of doing the data um, gathering was really interesting. And I imagine because the environment wasn't too new to you, it, ever, it probably helped a lot with um, with data collection as well. Oh, it was easy. Yeah, it was so easy. It wasn't really a huge brain drain. I just kind of stood there going, yep, seen all this before, took lots of photos and made lots of notes. And um, yeah, it was very reflective, actually. It was good. Well, congratulations on receiving your PhD. What a wonderful achievement. It's definitely something to aspire to. I'm just thinking amongst that whole career path, did you have any sliding door moments? You can look at it like that, but I don't think I've had really any. Um, I mean, I've made decisions and changed pathways and you know obviously courses that were I was you know going down I thought you know and do I think I've ended up in the wrong like a place that I didn't think not really no because really in the background of all that other stuff my have my company has been tickering away so I've always been running a company it's just about the fact that and I've always been in aged care and I've always done food services I think what's really important is to look for the opportunities and when the doors open to actually be brave enough to walk through them and understand that change is going to be consistently ongoing and you need to be prepared to actually make those changes. Some excellent advice there, Dr. Abby. So you were telling us about your problem-solving role and various activities like speaking at conferences. I'm wondering if you could elaborate on what aspects of your role involve leadership. Um, I think, you know, 
when you're a consultant and you go in, you're going in pretty blind, you're going into a situation where you don't really know what you're going to expect, I think, and you actually do have to then talk to people on many different levels. So you're talking to the CEO, you're talking to maybe the directors of care, you're talking to the, like the catering managers, and you're talking to staff. It's actually about, I think, trying to, you can leadership across lots of different levels. And I suppose during my course, my career, I've had the opportunity where I've had lots of time to talk to some, you know, obviously the people in the upper echelons of management and talking to them about, you know, direction and how you need to obviously develop services. But also I've spent a lot of time down talking to the people at the coalface and trying to provide them with, you know, inspiration to you know think that they can do just not what they do now but also what they can do in the future so I think everyone has opportunities and everyone can take opportunities if they actually want to so I think you lead every day and you certainly lead when you do something different you lead when you actually try and do something um, that's going to be a little bit more groundbreaking I think you lead when you you know take a leap of faith and actually change your direction in your career saying well maybe this is not working as well or you see something you go you know really we need some more expertise in that area so I think leading is actually something I think everyone does probably daily it's just how you actually articulate that kind of leading so I get the opportunity to talk to lots of people who maybe have finished school in year 10 who didn't actually you know haven't got no more any qualifications and trying to lead them into um you know maybe doing some extra courses or trying to think about you know how to do something differently on a menu that actually makes a big difference to how residents actually view the food that they're actually getting on that day so it can be very little or it could actually be quite groundbreaking in terms of how people provide leadership i also work for the university of queensland and i mentor the um food service students so getting ready to do that again this year and now I think actually that's really important to provide back to dietetic students the trying to impart the fact that food services yes sometimes people may not quite get the relevance but really even if you're doing clinical um, dietetics in a hospital you really need to have the you know some idea about the role that food services play so I think it's important to try and lead by example and got to lead with a little bit of passion as well. There's no point doing things in life unless you're actually passionate about what you really want to do. Definitely, yeah. Um, and obviously inspiring people is an essential characteristic of a good leader. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so I'm just wondering what you find most rewarding or most enjoy about your role. Ooh. Well, <laughs> um, I think it's nice to see people um, actually achieve goals that they didn't think they could have I think it's nice to set up an aged care home with food services that actually runs really well and being able to help them resource allocate differently that then maybe creates other opportunities. I think it's nice to watch residents um, really enjoy food services and you know I was in an aged care home um, last year and you know they did something really simple they just bought you know you get ice cream cones you know you can buy those waffle cones and they actually, um, all they did was put a scoop of something like boysenberry ice cream um, into the scoop. And it was a very different type of ice cream. Everyone put them in the hands. It was just lovely to watch the dining room just go off with nice little smiles and people really enjoying um, the fact that this was something a little bit different. And I think that's the real mastery of food services is when you can actually, um, you can do something so simple as that. And yet it actually has such a resounding impact and makes you know, a moment in time really pleasurable for people. So I think, I mean, we all know food is every, on everyone's consciousness every day and everyone eats, but I think it's actually about how you use food to really make a difference to people's lives. And I think that's the real um, 
the real trick to food services is actually you know you have to do the menu that's fine but you know taking that menu and making it not so mundane and having surprises and really you know changing the way the day can focus for somebody I think is uh really that I like to do that that's I find those moments really really great and I've been really lucky to see lots of things and do lots of pleasurable things to residents in terms of their food services and really inspire people to look at menus differently so that they can actually do that sort of stuff and it's just nice that kind of that's like a bit of a lasting kind of legacy stuff in which you can train people to do that and think outside the square then I think that's as I said where the true mastery of food services comes from. Because obviously as dietitians, we think about nutritionally pertinent aspects of food all the time and we forget that some people need, I guess, uh, yeah, variety in their menu and a range of different choices and they, they don't think about it as much as well, us. Well, Kate, it's not just about that. It's actually, you're quite right, there is a nutrition aspect. But I think you've got to understand when you get to aged care, it's not about, it, look, don't get me wrong, nutrition's important. Actually, it's not really. It's about quality. And I think sometimes, and I'll, I will say this, sometimes I'm a flabbergasted by dietitians who actually try and put on restraints or restrictions who come up with really ideas for menu planning that really are so out there you go well hang on a tick is that what the really residents want to be eating I think we've got to drive menu planning in aged care to the resident and it must be based on residents and equally I've spoken to lots of clinical staff who say they wouldn't have those sorts of things on menus because that's not that's not what they eat at home well hello who cares what people eat at home? It's actually about what the resident needs to eat during the day. And we all know that if residents aren't eating their meals, firstly, we have wasted opportunities to get nourishment, wasted opportunities to, for pleasure and enjoying the food, and then that leads to all other sorts of health issues. So sometimes we've got to think about the quality of what menu planning is all about. We've got to think about what that actually looks to the, looks like for residents. And we've got to sometimes forget about what we actually think should be on menus and actually think about what the resident needs. And I think that gets a little bit lost in translation. If I had to say something that I think is astounding about aged care is how sometimes the resident is not even in the sphere of consideration. And in fact, they really do get lost in the complexity of what aged care is actually trying to deliver. And I think that's a real issue in this country. So, And I'm sure you've seen that firsthand. Oh, God, I see it all the time. Okay. And the main aim is to get them to eat and restrictions aren't appropriate at that age that's right and sometimes it may not be what we think is good food or we think is actually the right things who gives us gives a toss what we actually think it actually should be about the resident and sometimes we have to realize that if a resident's been unwell or come back from hospital and they've lost weight which seems to be a pretty typical thing then what actually happens is sometimes just getting them to eat anything is going to be obviously the first point of call and then you can look at that you know trying to make sure they get the five food groups or whatever which way you go it's really important i think we need to just make sure that we're the residents are enjoying the meals and if they're enjoying the meals then that actually will probably solve quite a lot of problems so dr abby could you tell us a little bit about your mentors and how they have assisted you yes certainly well i mean i have to say professor sandra capra has probably been the the greatest mentor that i've had in fact sandra was the my that was my first lecturer for food services was sandra capra so she gets all the ticks Fantastic. And I love having chats to Sandra because we always talk about food services. <laughs> and it's really interesting because... She's definitely passionate about it. <laughs> well, that's right. We just, we have a great time. So Sandra's probably been... Um, probably the person that's probably influenced and also being my PhD supervisor, you know, obviously, yes, the, the right person to do that level of PhD with, which was fantastic. You know, I probably, I mean, I'm not going to name lots of people, but, you know, I've had, you know, lots of people along the way who have, you know, given you little gems, 
you know, sometimes when you just sit there and you go, you know, and it doesn't even have to be anyone that's got like piles of university degrees. You know, even speaking to people who are on the ground doing the slogging stuff every day, you just kind of sit back going, wow, that's a really good little thing to say. Or, or they show you something that you've never seen before and you go, wow, that's, I've never thought of that. That's, I'm going to put that into the grey matter and I'm, you know, try and share that with other people. So, I mean, you know, you could talk about your parents. You know, my dad's fantastic. He's, you know, he's done, um, you know, uh, he's been running his own company, so I suppose I take after Dad a little bit. I've got you know some really great colleagues in the industry um, who basically great sounding boards. And I think people who mentor you are, um, you know, the ones that you can ring up and say, "Look, need a little bit of advice here," you know, and will give you the time that they you know can. And it's it's just not a one way stream. I think you know you end up with mentors that actually become. Um, you know, bipartisan, so you actually are both working, you know, with each other. And I think as you move into your career, your mentoring, I think, actually changes. And so you actually, you, everyone becomes, you, you know, you, your mentors also, you mentor them as well. So it actually, you know, becomes a, you know, a shared arrangement, which is what I like. So I'm always looking for new mentors. I think sometimes you can get, you know, looking on things like on the internet, you can, and doesn't, you don't have to know people to feel that you're being mentored because, I mean, it's, again, it's about those ideas, it's about seeing people doing innovative stuff. It's trying out, you know, thinking about how things differ. It could be reading a damn good book on, you know, how to, you know, improve yourself. Or it's actually, you know, as I said, going off and trying something completely different. And, you know, just getting maybe a little bit of advice to help you on your way and then, you know, muddle through. I think sometimes muddling through is good for you as well. It helps build your, build your character. Uh-huh. So you have mentors and you're also a mentor yourself? Well, I actually do mentor for the APD program. I've currently got one in New Zealand, actually. I've got a lady who's um, very interested in actually becoming an APD from the Australian Dietetics Association. And so I'm currently mentoring, mentoring her. I've had a couple over the last couple of years. So, yeah, like, you know, young student dietitians. Um, how's that going? Well, it's actually really good because, you know, it's not, you know, you do actually learn a lot when you mentor people. You, um, you, because they show you different things and you go, wow, look at that. And then it's actually, then you apply your skills to actually maybe help sharpen and obviously refine tools or what, you know, define ideas and stuff. So, you know, mentoring, um, you know, but I do only mentor in the area of food services. I don't, um, tend to take on you know dietetic students who actually you know doing clinic I really only stick into the food service area it sounds like a very extensive career in that area though um so on that note what habits do you have that contribute to your success (laughs) well I think getting out of bed every morning is important um habits oh well well habits well that's um well oh um well I'd like to think I've got a good habit for studying um habits well, I suppose I think it's I think uh, being in a routine is fairly important. I think the habit of being highly professional is important. Uh, diligent. If you're going to say do what you say you're going to do, so if you say you're going to do something, for God's sake, make sure you do it. I think getting back to people timely on emails. I have to tell you, I'm stunned sometimes at how appalling people are at getting bloody emails back. Really unprofessional. I like to pride myself that if you send me an email, I'll get back to it at least within 24 to 48 hours. I think that's really important. So I think if you're talking about being business, you know, what kind of, you know, things, it's actually about being punctual, diligent in your, you know, correspondence with people, um, being fair in terms of how you're quoting, looking at, um, you know, always, uh, I think, trying to 
build the things within your own company that are going to, you know, obviously move you forward. And so I think one of the really important habits is actually being kept up to date with the currency. So obviously keep reading, you know, attending seminars, your own professional development is really important. Just because you've got a degree doesn't mean you actually, you know, stop learning. You've always got to continually try and, you know, look for those avenues. I think talking to people, I think giving people the time of day is really important and stopping and actually listening. And I don't know all the answers and I certainly don't know all the, you know, all the, the information and it's really nice to, you know, listen to what other people are actually trying to trying to do and, you know, thinking, wow, that's really good, provide encouragement. And I think uh, just, you know, working with it, obviously a good framework of moral ethics is always important. Yes, excellent advice, Dr. Abby. So I'm just wondering if you could give us your top tip for someone who aspires to achieve the same success as you. Top tip. <laughs> work hard. <laughs> be prepared to work hard. You know, be prepared to know. You know, it doesn't always just happen like that. And I think perseverance is really important too. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned being passionate about it earlier. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Um, did you have any challenges that you had to overcome at some point in your career to achieve your goals? Oh, well, my main challenge is the fact I'm not the greatest writer on the planet, really. So um, I, cha- I'm, I work hard in the English literature area. Um, and I think, um, you know, I think understanding where you're not really strong and then putting in things to actually help you. So, for example, for my PhD, I basically had someone read the whole thing for me so that, you know, I could actually make sure that it actually sounded like they weren't an academic. They were just someone who could actually edit and read. Um, they didn't write it for me. They just basically did the reading. I think um, looking for tools that actually can help you um, in terms of uh, how you can write stuff. So probably writing has been one of my biggest challenges. Um, I'm Sometimes I, get, I sit and I go, wow, you know, I've got five university degrees. Wow. <laughs> how did I? <laughs> and so that's why I say to people, you know, it doesn't matter what you have got going on that may not be perfect. You can do anything you want so long as you're prepared to put the work in. That's it. And it sounds like you put a plan in place to overcome those areas that you weren't as strong in. I just say I just say to people it's about keep continually practicing. That's what I say. You know, I don't think you need to. If you've got any little weaknesses out there or things that, you know, you're not too crash hot on, then one of the greatest things you can do is actually continually challenge yourself to actually improve. Yes, I agree. Um, So I'm sad to say that we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Abby. It's been such a privilege to talk to you, particularly um, given your experiences and also to talk to someone who is within the aged care industry. So it's been really fantastic. Well, it's a great industry to work in, really it is, and I think everyone can really contribute a great deal, Kate. So no, my pleasure. And we'll also have the link to Dr. Abby's website available on our website if you want to have a bit more of an idea of what nutrition and catering consultancy offers. Also, a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to the DC podcast today. If you would like to keep up to date and hear more from some of the most amazing dietitians in Australia, then please subscribe to the DC podcast so that you can automatically download and listen to it each week. You can check out the website at dietitianconnection.com. Thanks again and we'll see you next time.